1: Hey, this is Mitch from Huntington Beach, California, Surf City,
2: USA. And I'd rather get attacked by sharks than listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dallimore. Episode 159 of I Doubt It with Dallimore. Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Jesse Dallimore. And sitting across from me, the busy bee, Brittany Page.
3: I hate it when we start the show and I'm reading online things, th- the news, while we're starting the that show. That you'd like
2: to include? Yeah,
3: and I see something, <laughs> like a headline that says Donald Trump talks about the sweatiness of opponents Marco Rubio in Mike Huckabee. And I'm really? just like, oh, we need to get this clip.
2: <laughs> There's actual audio of it?
3: There's a video playing underneath the headline. Oh, so I don't know if God. it's related but this is this always happens. It's yeah. just the news is constantly <laughs> filled with good stuff.
4: Well, what
2: happens is it like last time on episode 158, we had such a full show it, it I forget to even drop the phone number or get to any of the you know the the housekeeping type things that right. we do. So without further ado, let me do that. 657-464-7609 is our voicemail line at which you can leave a voicemail fewer than three minutes. All of this is stuff that I say all the time.
3: So why aren't you saying it more eloquently? I
2: don't know. Interesting. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Of course, we are on Twitter, I doubt it podcast. We are individually on Twitter at Dollamore and at Brittany E Page, and uh, we have a Facebook page. I haven't done this like since like maybe the first thirty episodes, mm-hmm. so I you know sometimes it's worth doing. Also, go rate and review the goddamn show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I don't know where else they review the show. Maybe Stitcher has a has a review feature. Anyway, I'm uh.
3: This is getting laborious. I'm uh,
2: no, well, I'm getting to it now. I'm kind of bothered today. Yeah. Well, the Pope is in country. He's in Washington D.C. today, and the media. There's you can't. I I couldn't watch any news today because it's all, Essen of the Pope's D.
3: <laughs> um, it is. And
2: I watched his service today.
3: He had a service, yeah.
2: Like a, did his little Catholic, you know, pageantry, and there was a choir that sang. Mm-hmm. And you know who's in the choir that I saw?
3: Who? Newt
2: Gingrich's wife. Really? Yeah. Fucking weird, right? Callista, I think her name yeah, is. Yeah, Callista. Callista Gingrich.
3: I almost said Callista Flockhart because
2: <laughs> it's the only Callista, you know.
3: Yeah, and it just rolls off the tongue.
2: I went to high school with a Callista. To school with a Callista. Anyway. I've been bothered all day, the goddamn all over the place, because I don't want to watch the Pope. I don't want to watch about the Pope. I don't want to watch the media just laud praise upon this guy. And also even liberals, even like liberal, because, you know, he's a big global warming guy now. And he's said things about, you know, you can be atheist and, you know. Who's he to judge Mm -hmm. and all, you know, the different things that he said that are relatively askew from the standard positions of the Catholic Church. But I commented on someone's Facebook status today and they were they were, well, juxtaposing him against Republicans because of capitalism. And I said, look, you can lot all the praise you want on this guy until there's a single conviction Of the hundreds, one of the hundreds of child rapist priests, I won't be satisfied. I'm not gonna give this guy a bunch of praise for having done nothing about the epidemic of child rape in his organization. The organization he leads.
3: Well, he also, you know, is still in opposition of birth control. Right. And that is the most beneficial tool that a woman can have to get out of poverty or prevent them from going into poverty, right? Preventing the birth of a child and then they have to take care of that child and it results in a cycle. So he is against that. Now, that seems like a pretty archaic thing to be against at this point. It's 2015 and I understand the history of that belief, I guess. No, I don't. Why did I say that? Um, Well, you
2: you don't agree with it. Or understand that it's logical, but you understand the history of it, that it's, right. it's born out of you know, their, their specific mythology.
3: Right. So we can talk about the positive things that Pope Francis believes and proclaims, but there are still these major problems with Pope Francis. So I think lauding so much praise on him is kind of odd.
2: Well, it's for me, it's like comparing who's the better guy, Ted Bundy or Jeffrey Dahmer? They're both terrible people. One's probably better in some areas than another. I'm not saying, obviously, I'm not saying that the Pope is a serial killer or on par with it. But I'm saying, comparing two terrible people. Mm -hmm. The Pope, when you stand by and allow this to happen, and we will get to this later, something similar to this, or related to something related to this. Jesus, what a mess. I
3: know, what's happening. (laughs) But, uh... I'll I'll kind of argue with you and I, I won't say that I think he's a terrible person. Uh that's a little excessive, I think. But I understand your point in that he isn't doing what he needs to be doing.
2: Do do good people stand by while thousands of children languish in the pain of their their, their rape that they had to suffer through?
3: No, but, well, let's talk about that. What can he do then? So it's within his power to do something.
2: He is the head of the Catholic Church. He is the vicar of Christ. The voice no, of Jesus that. Christ on earth. I'm not mad at you. I just, I, I want to convey. Do you
3: need to clarify that you're not mad? Well, no, I
2: just don't <laughs> want well, you getting fired um, up. I, I,
3: I'm, I, I'm not getting I, fired up. I'm just asking. So in terms of how would that work? He he just has unilateral control to go in and, and say, out of here, you're out.
2: He's the head of state. The Vatican is its own country,
3: so it doesn't have rules. He can just walk in and and he, do whatever he wants.
2: He's the voice of Christ. I can't imagine that he well, he can't set up he can set up tribunals like he did, but what has that tribunal done? If he can set them up, he can certainly make some progress happen. It's not like our system. it's not a democracy he's He's in charge,
3: okay, so he can walk in. And take care of Biz, and he's not taking care of Biz.
2: He's not taking care of Biz. But he just, could walk
3: in and take care of Biz. Yes.
2: Uh, well, the way I understand it, yes. And also, his predecessors, how did they take care of Biz? No, I know. They shuffled they, they had the power to shuffle priests from parish to parish. They had the the, the 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 ability to guide that process. So the reverse should be true. So yeah, I, I just it bothers me a lot. And it bothers me a lot that. Everyone, now that he's he's waving his shiny object over here in his left hand about global warming and, oh, you know, who am I to judge? Oh, I'm the Pope. Everybody's looking over here while in the right hand, nothing is being done about the outrages of systematic child rape in the Catholic Church. <laughs> this is... This is kind of, you know, a little bit heavy for our normal intro. It took a turn for the worse, Brittany.
3: (laughs) It really did. And it would be nice if the Pope would listen to this and then take your advice, since he can walk in there and do whatever he wants.
2: I believe he can. Well, I'd like an expert on the Catholic Church to call in. 657-464-7609. I'd like to know. Maybe I should do a little research before spouting off angrily.
3: Well, because Joseph Ratzinger, the previous Pope... He was like Pope Benedict, right? The first Pope in a long time to leave the office before he died or something right? like that never happens. And he was implicated in a lot of those child abuse cases where there was proof that he had moved child abusing priests out of the location that they were raping children in and into a new location where they could have access to new children. We
2: have signed documents with his signature orchestrating these moves.
3: And so, w- how did that happen then? Because if he's the head of state, who asked him to leave? Who orchestrated the movement of him stepping down? I mean, like well, someone willingly step down?
2: They say he chose to. And he was also on the verge of senility. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's an old, old dude. He's mm-hmm. on the verge of death.
3: Well, I just, I know nothing about how the Vatican works, what the sitch is going on over there. Yeah, it's no good. So... All right. I just assume that Pope Francis is not in complete control like you think he is, but I have no idea. So I don't know why I'm making that assumption. I'm sure
2: there's an underlying bureaucratic system in place that's difficult to navigate. I know that they're having issues relative to the the Papal Bank, the the Vatican Bank, and he's trying to clear up some age-old corruption surrounding that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's difficult because there's a culture that he's trying to to break through. But mm-hmm. he can set rules. He can set rules. He's the goddamn pope. All right. But let's. <laughs> I my my blood pressure is starting to rise. Let's let's move on.
3: Well, relax.
2: Yeah, I should. Let's let's do that. In fact, let's get to some good news. Listener feedback we we got a voice memo emailed to us at the aforementioned i doubt it at dollamore.com and let's listen to that
5: Hi, Jesse and Brittany. It is Kathy from Boise. Just listened to the bonus episode for Patreon patrons. And I wanted to thank you so much. First of all, I love feeling fancy and being part of a club. So that's awesome. (laughs) And then when I'm talking to my friends, I can tell them I didn't watch the debate, but my people did and gave me all of the relevant information. So thank you for that. I'm pretty. I'm pretty awesome. Um, I have a suggestion, and I Uh don't want to be uh, picky because I love what you guys do. But if I had one request, it would be to somehow sneak in the name of the people giving their uh, – I guess, closing arguments, so to speak, because I guess I'm a lazy turd and I (laughs) did not know the order they were standing in. So I didn't know who was saying what, except for like Trump and Carly. Um, Anyway, love what you guys do. Thank you for being awesome. Um, Hope all is well. Take care. Bye. Uh, We
2: are assholes. No, here. I'm an asshole. Let me take the brunt. When we did that, at the end of the debate, what they did is they just had everybody go and they didn't do any introducing. And I, it was so late and I'm going to just, it's me being lazy. It is. (laughs) Even Brittany said, shouldn't we be introducing these individually? And I was like, nah, we don't need to do that. (laughs) Yeah. So sorry about that. That's that's on me.
3: We really should. And usually we do it, I think. I think we we kind of forgot. At least I try to uh, drop in the name whenever someone is talking. Yeah. Uh, But that's kind of... It's an easy thing to overlook and screw up because... We are listening to this all the time and we know all these people. And yeah. you know when you know something really well and you like just don't consider that You
2: just assume everybody else does. Right. Yeah. And that's
3: not the case. Not everyone's weirdos who constantly follow presidential politics.
2: Well, I think following them is one thing, but following even just knowing by voice <laughs>
3: That's what I mean. <laughs> it's yeah. a
2: whole different excessive, level of ner- nerd task. Excessive,
3: yeah. probably unhealthy. To be honest.
2: Wow. (laughs) You're just taking it up a notch. That's good.
3: (laughs) So we will do better next time. And thank you for the very nice voicemail.
2: Well, thank you for the voicemail. Thank you for being a Patreon supporter. Yes. And thanks for the kind words about the debate bonus episode. Yes. Which I'm still contemplating releasing like in another few days.
3: When no one cares about it anymore. Well,
2: you know, it'll... It'll maybe spurn someone to to want to to action to know what we've been talking about when we talk about these different things. So anyway, we'll see. That was a nice respite, you know. We I got all fired up at the beginning of the show,
6: mm-hmm.
2: heard Kathy's calming voice, yes, and now I'm getting ready to get fucking fired up again. Here we go. Kim Davis is our follow up.
3: When will she not be, is the question.
2: (laughs) I don't know. I think I said last time, I can't wait for the Kim Davis show to end. She was on Good Morning America in a, I wouldn't say lengthy interview, but they sat down with her and (sighs) the balls on this lady are giant, giant balls
0: to begin with that abc news exclusive kim davis the kentucky clerk who refuses to issue marriage licenses to same-sex couples saying that would violate her christian beliefs she spent six days in jail for contempt of court and the aclu now claims she's interfering with marriages again this morning her first interview with r paula ferris good morning paula
6: Good morning, George, and I spent several hours with her at her Kentucky property. Kim Davis says her religious liberty and her conscience, they go hand in hand. And in her eyes, those licenses being issued right now without her name on them are not valid. She tells me that if it comes down to it, she is prepared to go back to jail.
7: I have never once spouted a word of hate I've not been hateful i've had people yelling and screaming and cussing me
6: kim davis says she never expected to become a household name when she started denying marriage licenses at her county clerk office i'm just a normal person that um
7: has been touched by the grace of god and his mercy and uh, you know i haven't always been a good person paula
2: you're still not a good person
7: um (laughs) When I uh, didn't live for God, I didn't live for Him, Mm -hmm. and I was real good at living uh, for the devil.
8: You've been (laughs) married four times. Mm -hmm. You had children in an adulterous relationship. Mm -hmm. People are calling you a hypocrite, are you? No, I'm
7: forgiven, washed clean.
6: And so four and a half years ago, when Davis found God, she says she could not separate church from state, believing that a marriage is only between a man and a woman. Davis, who was elected in November as a Democrat, refuses to obey the opinion of the Supreme Court that sent her to jail for contempt. Who do you consider your boss? Is your boss God? Is your boss your
8: constituents? Or is your boss the federal government?
7: Well, my constituents elected me but the main authority that rules my life is
8: is the Lord. So godly authority trumps all authority in your mind? Yes. So why would you want to remain in this position? I'm good at my job.
7: I have friends who are gay and lesbians. They know where I stand (laughs) and we don't agree on this issue. And we're okay because we respect each
8: other. So you would deny your friends who are in gay relationships, you would deny them a
7: marriage license as well? I did. I can't put my name on a license that doesn't represent what God ordained marriage to
6: be. And there are thousands of others who feel the same way. She's received encouragement from all over the world, numerous handwritten notes, a handmade prayer shawl, and crosses. But the hate mail came too. Very vulgar.
7: I've been called Hitler, I've been called a hypocrite, I've been called a homophobe. What probably hurts me the worst that my God does not love me or that my God is not happy with me, that I am a
6: hypocrite of a Christian. Davis was released from jail after being behind bars for six days, greeting the public and an emotional rally, even getting the attention of presidential hopeful Mike Huckabee. Now back at work, she's still refusing to put her name on any marriage licenses, forcing her deputies like Brian Mason to take over those duties.
8: Well, now Brian is signing all of the marriage licenses. Your name is
7: not on those licenses. In your mind, are they still valid? They're not valid in God's eyes, for one. And, um, you know, I think the authority, I have given no authority to write a marriage license. They did not have my permission. They did not have my authorization.
8: One of the voters who finally received a marriage license said that he finally felt human. That was a direct quote. He was in tears. People will question, why is your moral conscience, Kim, more important than someone else's happiness? I don't think
7: dignity is guaranteed in the Constitution. I think dignity is something that you find within yourself. I feel really sad that um, someone could be so unhappy with themselves as a person that they did not feel dignified as a human being until they got a piece of paper. I I mean, there's just so much more to life than that.
6: And this is really just the beginning for many clerks across the country. I am told by Davis's counsel that clerks in over five states are also seeking exemptions. Like Kim Davis, they do not want their names on these gay, gay marriage licenses, And there have George. been
0: new complaints, and she sounds pretty defined there. So she is prepared to go back to jail?
8: She says she's prepared to, to go back to jail. She is digging her heels in.
0: Okay, Paul, thanks very much. Fascinating stuff. You're going to have a lot more this morning on The View.
8: Yep. i sure it'll be a live
9: discussion
2: on The View. Mm-hmm. It will be. I mean, there's no way to shake it. This lady is a... T- a terrible person. She's deluded.
3: Well, I mean, I don't know. I get so uncomfortable with it, how you just call everyone a terrible person. I mean, she's not doing good things, right? She's, right. she's doing terrible she's things. She's not a
2: terrible person. She's just a person who frequently oppresses and does terrible things.
3: Right. Well, what's, what's interesting to me is she talks about how she isn't angry, that everyone's being angry against her, but, again... I know I always come back to this, that video when she's denying those couples a marriage license right. and they say, on whose authority are you doing this? And she says, on God's authority, through like a very angry, right. hostile manner. She's angry and she she's not acting that way in this interview, but she is.
2: Speaking of the interview, could have they walked like maybe 50 paces off of the busy highway <laughs> before they started doing the fucking interview with the cars? barreling by
3: apparently not
2: Uh, there's no place in all of rowan county that's not right next to a highway
3: (laughs) apparently they didn't want to Uh, invest too many resources in the kim davis interview to you know rent a space out or something like that
2: maybe go inside her office (laughs)
3: yeah they just said you know we'll just stand out here in front of this road that's fine
2: get it together good morning america pull over right here
3: this is a great space jesus
2: so anyway, I, the, the the saga continues, and it is looking like um, she could, like we talked about last time, very well face more jail time.
3: So I don't know if we talked about this last time, but this is the reason why she could be back going back to court. When she returned to work after being in jail, she confiscated the marriage licenses and replaced them. The new licenses say they were issued not under the authority of the county clerk, but, quote, pursuant to... Federal court order. That's right. So she said that this accommodation preserves her conscience while also granting licenses to same-sex couples, but this is her interfering.
2: She also, there's another element to this that we briefly touched on, and I wasn't so aware of it or understanding of what she did, and I didn't want to speculate, but she also took off on Brian Mason. It doesn't say deputy clerk. There's also Rowan County doesn't appear on the forms. It's, it's Brian Mason, notary public.
3: So she's changing multiple things. Right, so
2: it looks as though if by just a, 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 your layman observer, who wouldn't know this is a county form, they would just think that this notary is the one who issued the marriage license, which is not legal in, I don't know, anywhere where just any notary can can f- fire off a, a marriage license for a couple. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're saying that under Kentucky law, these might not be valid. And if they aren't valid, that would be her directly interfering with the process, which was made legal by the, our system of government. When the Supreme court on June 26th, 2015 ruled in favor
3: yeah, but they can't, the case. they can't make law, though. Ugh.
2: <laughs> you, you need to not I, so I sounded.
3: Straight. I sounded pretty convincing, yeah, though, you right? Did.
2: Yeah, you did. <laughs> 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 anyway, so like I said, the saga continues, and uh, goddamn.
5: Support for I Doubt It with Dollimore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward, one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com/I doubt it with
2: And as always and forever, we thank you very much for your support, Patreon. Democracy 2016 facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right. Well, we're down one more candidate. Scott Walker joins the latest group of dirty, filthy quitters.
6: I was sitting in church yesterday. The pastor's words reminded me that the Bible is full of stories about people who were called to be leaders in unusual ways. Today, I believe that I'm being called to lead by helping to clear the field in this race, so that a positive conservative message can rise to the top of the field. With this in mind, I will suspend my campaign immediately. I encourage other Republican presidential candidates to consider doing the same, so that the voters can focus on a limited number of candidates who can offer a positive conservative alternative to the current front runner. This is fundamentally important to the future of the party and more importantly to the future of our country.
2: So he's, that's a weird way to twist it. His calling, his calling was to, you know, run for president. Mm -hmm. He had a talk with God on the bat phone and now his calling is to step away so other people can get the focus.
3: Well, he's specifically calling out Donald Trump.
2: Yeah, for sure. He, he
3: is. wants someone to take out Donald Trump. Yeah. That's what he said. Which
2: I I agree with. I just and it's nice to get a nutter out of the race. At least now all of our current candidates have college degrees. You know what I mean? Now that we have the one candidate who who didn't have a a bachelor's degree from a an accredited university. Yeah,
3: we all know you're hung up on that. So um, <laughs> Scott Walker, the reason he is withdrawing from the race is because he was a favorite but yeah. after the second debate he dropped down to like 1%. Pew. So not good for him. Fall. Not good for him. Dunzo.
2: Dunzo, quitter. So the other thing in the news this week is that Ben Carson he, god damn, this guy. Ben Carson as we talked about last time was on Meet the Press and was asked about the dust-up with Donald Trump and the Muslim thing. Let's refresh everybody's memory on what went down. May I uh, wrap this up by finally
1: dealing with what's been going on, Donald Trump, and he, and a deal with a uh, uh, a questioner that, uh, that claimed that the president was Muslim. Let me ask you the question this way. Should a president's faith matter? Should your faith matter to voters?
9: Well, I guess it depends on what that faith is. If if it's inconsistent uh, with the values and principles of America, then of course it should matter. But uh, if it fits within the realm of of America and consistent with the Constitution, Mm -hmm. uh, no problem. So do
1: you believe that uh, Islam is consistent with the Constitution?
9: Uh, No, I I do not. I I would not advocate that we put a Muslim in charge of this nation. I absolutely would not agree with that.
2: So, pretty clear. Pretty clear.
9: I I would not advocate that we put a Muslim in charge of this nation. I absolutely would not agree with that. That's... Crystal clear, is
2: it not?
3: That is probably the most honest answer that you could get from Ben Carson because I don't think he expected that question. And so that was just his true feeling coming out.
2: That's right. Well, in in the, the way that it always happens with these type of things, a, a litany of different Ben Carsons have been doing interviews <laughs> and they've kind of doubled down in their position and kind of backed up and tried to justify what they meant. And then these other Ben Carsons, I don't know where, he must have like, he must be like quadruplets or or, or septuplets. There must be so many of them. Mm-hmm. They're just making appearances. And then there's others toward the end of the week who are now, mm, that's not what I said. I didn't say that. So
3: Maybe kind of- he's just disassociating and coming into a new <laughs> self yeah. at different times. Or he's
2: really just... He's settling in on being a, a real good politician, mm-hmm. who is a, a real easy. He finds lying to be very, very easy.
3: Well, I also would like to say that the process of him doubling down and then backing away it, it is also consistent with the growing level of with the growing level of criticism. Yeah. that yeah. he was receiving. <laughs> yeah, no shit. In the beginning, maybe not so much, and then it, over the past couple of days, it's just growing and growing.
2: Well, he was on Megyn Kelly, and she pressed him on the issue.
0: You know, is that where you stand? Because many others have come out today and said, well, is that some sort of a litmus test? Is that a suggestion that Muslims have to do more if they want to run for higher office than Jews or Christians?
9: Well, bear in mind, in the uh, standard corpus juris of the authoritative uh, uh, doctrines of (laughs) Islam, you cannot separate church and state. So, in order to to be eligible to be President of the United States, you're going to have to renounce that, which makes you a heretic and an infidel. But as long as they're willing to do that, and to clearly place the United States Constitution above their personal beliefs, that's like anybody else. Bear in mind, if there was a Christian running. And that Christian wanted to establish a theocracy. I would not support that person either. Mm-hmm.
2: So, very interesting. <laughs> I mean, it, I, it, it flies in the face. It, uh, he wants a Muslim to be, to be constitution first, and then their faith subservient or subordinate to their faith. I'm, I mean, their faith subordinate to the constitution, which is the way it should be.
3: I'm just, I'm speechless. I'm so confused. Like, what is the disconnect that's happening there in his no brain? Idea. Because, so he's saying that 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 Muslims have this belief that they cannot separate church and state. That, right. that that's within well, their doctrine.
2: Islamic expert Ben Carson says that.
3: Right. So he says that they will be forced to renounce that. Okay. And then be heretics, I think is the word that he used. Yeah. Okay. So how does Ben Carson... Take everything that's in the Bible at face value. Does he follow the things, you know, about the tattoos and the, the shellfish? Does he follow that stuff?
2: I I doubt he has a... Well, he might. Seventh-day Adventists are nutty about the shellfish and the... And oh, the right, ta- right. Yeah, yeah. I He's, forgot he was a seventh-day yeah, Adventist. Yeah, okay, so. so
3: it is less likely that he would renounce things and be a heretic. Although, I'm sure other fellow candidates in the Republican Party have renounced aspects of Christianity...
2: Yeah, of course.
3: And they're, they're heretics?
2: I don't know. Well, he's on stage, and he's being asked a litany of questions from, a rep- from different reporters. And he said this.
9: I said I would support anyone. If Again, it seems to be hard for people to actually hear English and understand <laughs> it. I said I would support anyone, regardless of their background, if, in fact, they embrace American values and our Constitution, and are willing to place that above their beliefs.
2: Okay. Again, I, just, I know it's repetitive, but one more time.
9: I said I would support anyone. If Again, it seems to be hard for people to actually hear English and understand it. I said I would support anyone, regardless of their background.
2: And then, let's go back to what he said. So, I would support anyone, regardless of their background.
9: I I would not advocate that we put a Muslim in charge of this nation. I absolutely would not agree with that.
2: I absolutely would not agree with that. And then the last part of that last statement, where he says, as long as they agree on our Constitution.
9: I said, I would support anyone, regardless of their background. If in fact they embrace American values and our Constitution and are willing to place that above their beliefs. So
2: let's go back to, I don't, what was it, two months ago? When he was asked the question by Chuck Todd on Meet the Press about that very issue about the Bible having authority over the Constitution. All right, I'm going to close here with a question from a Facebook
1: uh, poster. And this one came from Victor Rausch. Simple question. Does the Bible have authority over the Constitution?
9: He said that's a simple question. That I know. is not a simple well, question by any simple, stretch of the imagination.
1: A, si- a simply worded <laughs> question. How's that?
9: I, I think probably what you have to do is... Uh, ask a very specific question about a specific passage of the Bible and a specific portion of the Constitution, Uh, I don't think you can answer that question other than out of very specific context. All right.
1: I will leave that answer there. We'll see if Mr. Rausch uh, likes that answer or not. Dr. Carson, thanks for coming on the show. Good luck in the debate, and stay safe on the trail, sir.
9: Thank you so much.
2: So there you have it. He, if it's a Muslim... As long as they're willing to put the Quran and Islam secondary to the Constitution, he's A-OK with it. But when asked the same question only months ago, this isn't years ago before he codified his, his political stance. This was just a couple months ago. But when that same question is asked of him, he, he vacillates and he can't come down with an actual answer.
3: So I was wanting to comment on what he said in terms of people might not be able to uh, speak English. Did he say speak English very well or yeah, understand, right. English? understand English? Yeah,
2: understand English. Because
3: I think what the problem is is that what he says is recorded and then it's hard to <laughs> really uh, forget what we heard when we listened to the recording. I think that's what happens. So I don't think the English is the problem. I think it's the fact that you're on tape saying what you said. And
2: Yeah. Well, it's just a weird confluence. Well, that leads us to, and I I gathered several clips of Ben Carson saying stupid things.
3: Oh, great! Because if you don't cover them in the clips, I have a list of quotes. Oh, do you? Yes.
2: (laughs) Well, it starts with that Bible Constitution one, which is ridiculous. The Constitution, obviously, is has authority over the Bible, or the Bible doesn't really play a role because the Constitution is our form of government. It's our, our cornerstone, our, it establishes the rule of law. It's what we base things on. Anyway, here's, um, here's Ben Carson from not so long ago.
9: Think about Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. Most of those people did not believe in what Hitler was doing. Yep. But did they speak up? No. Nope. Did they stand up for what they believed? They did Very not. Few. And you saw what happened. And if you believe that the same thing can't happen again, you're very wrong.
2: Yep. He's, he's conflating Nazi Germany, the government of Nazi Germany and the terrible policies therein, to our government. And that we are in a position to be very susceptible to that type of thing.
9: It's completely ridiculous. Here's another and we need to look at our history and we need to understand our history. You know, I am a little shocked, quite frankly, uh, looking at the AP course in American history that's being taught in high schools across our country right now. There's only two paragraphs in there about George Washington, George Washington, believe it or not. Little or nothing about Dr. Martin Luther King a whole section on slavery and how evil we are, a whole section on Japanese internment camps and how we slaughtered millions of Japanese with our bombs, a whole section on how we wiped out American Indians with no mercy. I mean, I think most people, when they finish that course, they'd be ready to go sign up for ISIS. I mean, this is, this, this is what we're doing to the young people in our nation. And, you know, we have got to stop this silliness. We have got to stop, you know, crucifying ourselves. Have we made mistakes as a nation? Of course we have. Why? Because we're people. And all people make mistakes.
3: So his solution is to not teach history. Yeah,
2: just ignore it. Have we done bad things? Yeah. But we don't need to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Those those things that he listed absolutely need to be in curriculum. The, slavery was a terrible horror in our country. It is a black mark. It is horrible and it needs to be taught. Uh, Japanese internment camps. Ah, yes. Whoa. It absolutely needs to be remembered so we don't repeat those types of fucking mistakes.
3: I'm glad you added that on because the Japanese internment camps and then, yes, was a little... Uh, Yeah, right. A little... (laughs) Come on now. And then
2: also the millions of Japanese that we we killed with our bombs. Uh, We didn't kill millions of Japanese for one thing. Maybe he needs to pick up one of those history books that he's... He's uh, railing against.
3: Well, it would be AP history, so it might be a little tough for him.
2: Right, (laughs) right, the neurosurgeon. And then also the Indians that we slaughtered without mercy, which is also true. We didn't treat Indians well. At all.
3: I mean, he's effectively saying if people know the true history of the United States, then they will want to go sign up for ISIS. I mean, that's what he's saying. Yeah. No,
2: no. no. He just said. It's not figuratively. That's exactly what he's saying. He just
3: said, if you know the truth about America, then you will want to sign up for ISIS. (laughs) That's what he said.
2: Right. Yeah. Listen, this guy's number two. No, he's number three. He's number three now, but close. Yes. He's a close third. He's close to number second. Number two. All right. Moving on.
7: I want to move on quickly to the issue of what's going on with the Veterans Affairs scandal at the moment. There are those who say what's happening now is also a preview of what we might see once the Obamacare system is fully uh, in place in this country. Do you say that so? Do you agree with that point of view?
9: I think what's happening with the veterans is a gift from God to show us. What happens when you take layers and layers of, of bureaucracy and place them between the patients and the healthcare? Uh,
2: did you hear that? That the, the crisis in the veterans' healthcare system right now, where people are dying, waiting to be seen, that is a gift from God, Brittany. Well, yeah. God has gifted America with this crisis. That thousands of veterans, and hundreds maybe, are dying Mm -hmm. while waiting for critical care. Oh, thank you, Jesus. They're dying. Thank you for for shining a light on this problem of bureaucracy and government. What a fucking animal. And then, of course, before my heart rate gets too
9: high, this little gem. You think being gay is a choice? Absolutely. Why do you say that? Because... A lot of people who go into prison, go into prison straight, and when they come out, they're gay. Science. It's science, Brittany.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it is.
2: (laughs) Well, here's
9: another. You know, Obamacare is really, I think, the worst thing that has happened in this nation since slavery. (laughs) And it is, in a way, it is slavery, in a way, because... Obamacare is slavery, Brittany. Because it is making all of us subservient to the government. And it was never about health care. It was about control. And that's, that's why.
2: You know what else happened since slavery, Brittany, that was would probably be worse than... Um, Obamacare. Let's hear it. Then the Affordable Care Act. Let's hear it. um, Japanese internment camps. The merciless way we dealt with the Indians. Mm -hmm. Those are just two off the top of my head that are worse than Obamacare. Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, No, they're not. (laughs) So do you have more that you're going to play?
2: Oh, yeah. There's one more. One more. Uh, Maybe I should have played it first because it's a little closer to the timeline of when we talked about Kim Davis. But... Here it is.
9: I will continue to defy the PC police who have tried in many cases to shut me up. You know, I actually find them pretty amusing. You know, I mean, I still believe that marriage is between a man and a woman.
2: They're cheering it.
9: You know, because... Because I happen to mention... That nobody gets to change the definition of marriage and mention some other categories. They said, Carson said that gay marriage and bestiality are the same thing. Well, that's preposterous. Of course they're not the same thing. Anybody who believes that is is a dummy. But anybody (laughs) but anybody who believes somebody who says that somebody said that is a dummy. You know, that's the problem, okay? And then Of course gay people should have the same rights as everyone else, but they don't get extra rights. They don't get to redefine marriage.
2: Of course gay people should have the same rights as everyone, Brittany, but they don't get extra rights.
3: So my new thing is when people say that uh, God defined marriage is between a man and a woman in the Bible, I really want to know where that's from. In the Bible.
2: Where specifically it says it?
3: Yeah. So if someone is listening and they know, or they've asked someone that question during a debate, I'd be curious to know. I haven't had the chance to ask somebody, but that's become a talking point that I think everyone is just regurgitating. And I'd just be curious to know where it's from, because there are different types of marital relationships in the Bible. Yes. It's not just one man, one woman. So where is that coming from? Second of all, we're just stuck with this definition for... The rest of eternity, because no one's gonna be getting a message from God updating the text, right. and if well, they do, no one will believe them. So
2: and no one got a message in the first place because it's all fantasy. Yes, it's all mythology. I'm just. I'm
3: working within the context of the stitch that we have. Okay, I want to get to a quote now, if okay. that's okay. Yeah. So Ben Carson. Did I miss one?
2: Clearly, I missed one. Otherwise, you wouldn't have one to get to.
3: Yes. So Ben Carson said in an interview on Sunday. That whoever takes the White House should, quote, be sworn in on a stack of Bibles, not a Koran.
2: Uh, Goddamn. You, you know what they should s- swear on is maybe a stack of constitutions. A stack. I don't know why you'd need a stack, by the way. I think one would be sufficient.
3: No, you need a stack. Is
2: multiple Bibles more powerful <laughs> than one?
3: Yes. <laughs> Power in numbers. Yeah, I guess so. So I, I want to do two more things as well. All right. So... Ben Carson's comments about a Muslim president. I just want to review the Gallup poll that came out this this year and show kind of where Ben Carson fits with the rest of Americans. Right. So this survey between now and the 2016 political conventions, there will be discussion about the qualifications of presidential candidates, their education, age, religion, race and so on. If your party nominated a generally well qualified person for president who happened to be blank, would you vote for that person? Now, Muslims, 38% said would not. 38% would not vote for an otherwise well-qualified
2: person. So 62% would.
3: 60 would.
2: Oh, 60 and 2. That there's a 2% that are just they don't know. Yeah, what happened to that? I don't know. Yeah.
3: and let's just juxtapose this with an atheist, 40% would not. Right. So there's more stigma to being an atheist than there is to being a Muslim in this question, in this questionnaire Stigma.
2: We're not talking about persecution. We're not talking about being oppressed. We're just talking about stigma. Stigma. Yeah.
3: Right. And the worst, of course, we've talked about it before, is being a socialist. 50% would not.
2: Which, uh, I don't know. They should retake that because Bernie Sanders is kicking ass right now.
3: Well, it seems like that that was born out of Bernie Sanders. But I want to say one more thing. I'm not done. You Uh, keep trying to cut me off. Do I
2: or do I just...
3: (laughs) I'm getting that (laughs) from you, but it could be wrong. Okay. So two of Carson's rivals from the Republican Party uh, were infuriated, according to Business Insider, by his comments. Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham criticized Carson at length in a Fox News interview. He said, quote, This shows that Dr. Carson is not ready to be commander in chief. Mr. Carson may be a good doctor, but he is not ready to lead a great nation. Graham also urged that Carson apologize to Muslims serving in the U.S. Armed Forces. Quote, what would he say to the approximately 3,500 American Muslims who have been to Iraq and Afghanistan fighting for our freedom, risking their lives? What he should say is, thank you for serving our great nation. We're all in this together.
2: Lindsey Graham, everybody.
3: And then Senator Bernie Sanders released a statement saying, quote, I am very disappointed that Dr. Carson would suggest that a Muslim should not become president of the United States. It took us too long to overcome the prejudice against electing a Catholic or an African-American president. People should be elected to office based on their ideas, not their religion or the color of their skin.
2: I agree with that, although I do unabashedly yearn for a day when we have a man or woman in in office who doesn't isn't beholden to some mythology or some fairy tale.
3: There's also two Muslim members of Congress who are not happy.
2: I'm sure they're really not happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one is Ellison, who's the other one
3: uh Carson, Andre Carson, Democrat Indiana. Hmm.
2: The other one's I think Minnesota, right? Ellison? Yes. Yes. Look Democrat, it. Minnesota. You like that?
3: I sure do. <laughs> I like it a lot.
2: All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's distance ourselves from Ben Carson and let's move on to a little Hillary Clinton. We just don't. She doesn't make enough waves to ever talk about, and she has done so. Uh, one thing that she's done this this week is she's made a very bold proclamation, shocking proclamation that she won't use private email as president.
3: Clinton, speaking at a Des Moines Register editorial board meeting Tuesday, said that uh, that although she did... (laughs) Sorry, the sentence was constructed very odd. Um,
2: That's why you're laughing? Because the sentence is odd? (laughs) Or the dumb thing that she's getting ready to say? No,
3: okay. Said that although she did it solely out of convenience, she won't do it again. Wow. Asked if she would have a transparent White House, Clinton responded, You can count on me not to have a private email server. This almost seems like an onion article. (laughs) The former Secretary of State apologized again that her email server had been, quote, so much of a subject of speculation and curiosity, but she said she didn't keep any classified material on the server. Quote, I took classified material very seriously. There was no material that was marked classified. If I hadn't said I wanted to be transparent and had 55,000 pages of my emails released, this wouldn't be an issue. Clinton added, arguing that any classification of her emails had been done retroactively.
2: All right. Well, good. That's good to know that you're not going to have a private, personal email server as president of the United States. Ugh. Fuck.
3: I still think it's. I'm gonna double check that article. I feel like it's an Onion article. <laughs> it says Politico.com, but come right. on now.
2: She also had this to say this week when when talking about the the fondness in this election cycle for outsiders. The Republican race right now has the top three people at this very moment, September 23rd, 2015. The top three in the Republican race are all political outsiders. Carly Fiorina, Ben Carson, and Donald Trump. Well, she was asked about this, and her response was laughable.
4: In the politics this year, it looks like everybody wants an outsider. That's, <laughs> now, that puts you in a fix. Uh, oh, I don't think, you know, Don, Doesn't I, put you in a fix. It, Tell I, us why it doesn't put you in a fix. I, I cannot imagine anyone being more of an outsider than the first woman president. I mean, really, let's think about now, that. Now, I agree, I, but I, I mean, your if you name, line up, if you, you know, all, we have not, all these mothers and fathers bring me the placemats with all the presidents, and they bring their daughters, and they say, my daughter has a question for you, and the daughter says, how come there are no girls on this placemat? You know, so, I think that's a pretty big uh, yes. unconventional choice.
5: But you know what I'm asking.
4: Well, I'm, I know you're asking, do we want people who've never been elected to anything, who have no political experience, who've never made any hard choices in the public arena? Well, voters are going to have to decide that.
3: But they worry that people who are inside are too inside, that that's why the economic situation
0: is tilted against the middle class. It's why they always feel like everybody can wiggle around the rules. And that's something you have to deal with, right? Of-
2: Does she really want anyone to take her seriously when she's trying to convince someone that she would be considered an outsider because she's a woman?
3: Yeah, her last name is Clinton. She's
2: already lived in the goddamn White House for eight years of her life. Eight years.
3: She's been involved in politics her entire life.
2: Right. She, She also was the first lady of the state of Arkansas. This is it's maddening.
3: I mean, but and that's why the the interviewer kind of called her out and said, well, "You you know what I'm asking, right?" And then she kind of had to figure out what she could say to drop her a uh, book title in her answer. <laughs> Hard choices, and <laughs> it was skillful. Wasn't it was it?
2: skillful, very adroit,
3: or skillful, as I just said it.
2: <laughs> anyway, uh, it's it. I I think. I really think she might be a sinking ship here. It's the problem is is I just don't see Biden jumping in the race because it's so late in the game. I mean, it might happen, but it's an outside chance as far as I'm able to muster you know any intellectual analysis of it
3: so it looks like the first cnn democratic primary debate is on tuesday october 13th that is right here we go democrats coming up and the moderator will be anderson cooper
2: i'm glad it's on tuesday too because it gives us enough time to put out a patreon only episode (laughs) we don't have to turn around do it that same goddamn night
3: yeah that was rough
2: Uh, well was it rough who went to bed Right away,
3: it wa- it was rough, super
2: tough, huh? Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine. I can't. I, I can't imagine staying up until it's light outside, editing, and you know doing the the hard, heavy lifting part of the the job.
3: Okay. I just can't imagine you know what? That. I had to stay up <laughs> until however late that was, like 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. Then I had to get up and do all oh, of the litany yep. of things that I have to do.
2: Yes, you did. Yeah. All right. Let's move away from politics. A prick. <laughs> <laughs> and let's talk about this former hedge fund manager, Martin Screeley, who bought a pharmaceutical company and the rights to the marketing rights to a certain drug. At when he bought the drug or the, 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 the company, or when his company bought the rights to the drug, the cost was $13.50.
3: It's called Daraprim. Daraprim. The drug.
2: And he immediately raised it, not in steps, but immediately raised it from $13.50 to $750, which is a Five thousand five hundred percent increase,
3: and this is a drug that's used to treat critically ill infants and AIDS patients
2: because it has to do with the immune system. Well, the the internet went goddamn nutty over this, justifiably so. Finally, finally, outrage is well directed, and well, this is an interview. I, I guess we'll just we'll we'll spill the beans. They've re retracted their position on the price increase and it's gone back to its original price but here's an interview of him trying to justify this price gouging of ill people
5: the
7: reaction uh, particularly when you read the papers today has been quite critical of this move so why
4: well, you know, we needed to uh, turn a profit on the drug. This drug was being sold by uh, uh, several different companies. It came as a package
7: mm-hmm.
4: uh, in a lot of companies. So no one really knew, even knew that they owned it. And the price of the drug was- Right, it was
7: originally what GlaxoSmithKline, it right? It's
4: been passed around a little bit. It's okay. Glaxo, then Core, then Impax, and now us. Okay. And we're the first company to really focus on this product. And I think that's a great thing, because ultimately, uh, the companies before us were actually just giving it away, almost, you know, the price that they were- Pricing it at was uh, the price. Thirteen
1: fifty. Yeah, thirteen
4: okay. fifty, and you only need uh, less than a hundred pills. So uh, you know, at the end of the day, the price per course of treatment to save your life was only thousand dollars. And we know th- these days, lot of pharmaceuticals, Cancer drugs can cost a hundred thousand dollars or more. Rare disease drugs can cost half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Daraprim is still underpriced relative to its peers.
7: But my understanding was that to actually produce this pill, what cost only a dollar,
4: it costs very little to make Daraprim.
7: Okay, so then how are they losing money if they were selling it at thirteen fifty?
4: The cost of production is not the only cost, right? So you have distribution costs, you have uh, obviously FDA costs, you have manufacturing costs that not are just included by the cost of goods sold for the pill itself, the ingredients, but also the people that make the pill and make sure that it's made to specification. Those costs have increased dramatically over the years. So this product was... But dr-
7: but dr- dramatically up 5,000% to 7,000? They're <laughs> not
4: up 5,000% but they they were... This drug was doing 5 million in revenue. And I don't think you could find a drug company on this planet that can make money on 5 million dollars of revenue.
3: Is the way that he says cost extremely slimy to anyone else?
2: Uh, it's... This guy is skeevy as fuck.
3: The way that he talks, it just... Ugh, no.
2: He- here's the thing. We've looked into this guy and he's... He's a dirtbag. This guy is a... He harasses not only former employees, but he harasses via Facebook, th- their families, and their teenaged children. He...
3: That was actually a business foe that he was harassing.
2: It was a guy who used to work for him that no longer worked for him, but now was a foe. But a former employee, the guy. He also is one of these like rich kids of Instagram who flies in his private jet and takes a picture from the jet of his yacht. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's unconscionably skeevy.
3: So you're right. There are tweets where he's, you know, showing the alcohol that he's buying and then talking about how much it costs and, you know, $9,000, you know, this bottle is $9,000 and, it's just very disturbing. It's gross. I mean, you have money. Why do you need to tweet about, tweet about it? I don't understand why you need to tweet about how much the wine is that you're drinking.
2: It's bizarre to me.
3: You have money. Shouldn't you just be, you know, (laughs) secure in the money that you have? Yeah. And the the most disturbing thing to me about that interview is he was saying, you know, it would cost a thousand dollars to save your life. He thinks that because the drug is doing something so monumental, saving a life. That it should have a real hefty price tag because right. it's doing so much.
2: God damn, It takes a, do- a cost, a dollar to manufacture, and he wants to sell it for $750. It's It's immoral. It's unethical.
3: What happened is he has lowered the price because the internet went crazy. Yeah. So he has said that he will lower the price. I'm not sure if he has said... What he's going to lower the price to? Yeah, yeah. But because everyone is, I mean, I'm looking at this this Daily Beast article, and um, it says that he has lowered the price. Is still an asshole. So he still is not well liked <laughs> on the internet. He's been right. he's been having a rough day on the internet.
2: He's 32 years old. He's just like a child genius who very possibly is a sociopath. I mean, he's in zero regard. For the health and well-being of his fellow humans.
3: And this Mashable article calls him a hedge fund bro, which I think (laughs) is funny. Uh, Hillary Clinton tweeted, said, price gouging like this in the specialty drug market is outrageous. Tomorrow I'll lay out a plan to take it on.
2: Oh, wow. That's... uh... I bet you his colleagues in the pharmaceutical industry are fucking not happy (laughs) with his behavior because if you're going to draw the ire of the federal government Mm
9: -hmm. and you're
2: going to draw attention to an already disreputable industry, it doesn't have a real good, you know, public relations image right now. It's... Kind of a bummer.
3: So another thing, this isn't the first time he's done this. When he was the CEO of another company, Retrofin, he purchased a kidney medication that was approved by the FDA in nineteen eighty eight called Theola and increased the cost from one fifty per pill to thirty dollars per pill. Yeah. That drug treated a lifelong disease for which there is no known cure, which afflicts about twenty thousand patients in the United States.
2: Wow. Listen, he's, he's a sick individual.
3: Well, I want to describe what the disease is. All right. So patients are usually diagnosed with the disease at a very young age, have an abnormally high concentration of amino acid present in their urine. The excess amino acid in their urine crystallizes regularly into stones oh, that painfully yeah. travel through the kidneys, uterus, and bladder. Imagine having a kidney stone form or pass once a month, tearing through your organs as it tracks its way out of your body. There was no alternative drug for these sufferers, but he decided to buy this drug and, and raise the, the price. price. Yeah. And and I don't understand what is appealing about doing this. I don't Other than money. I, I'm other than money. And and what he said about the saving of the life, he knows. Right. He knows the impact that these drugs have yeah. on the lives of other human beings. And the way that he can so just callously talk about it as though it's just a money game.
2: Yeah, it's terrible. He's definitely terrible. Just depressing. Am I right? Just let's let's move on. Let's move on to some more heartwarming or funny. (laughs) Not this. The New York Times has an article right now and the topic or the subject or the title is Googling for God.
3: It's by Seth Stevens Davidowitz.
2: All right. Nice. Very good.
3: Uh Uh-huh. That wasn't practiced many times and cut out. Um, (laughs) Okay. So he says in his article, it has been a bad decade for God, at least so far, despite the rising popularity of Pope Francis. Google searches for churches are 15% lower in the first half of this decade than they were during the last half of the previous one. Searches containing God's existence are up. Many behaviors that he supposedly abhors have skyrocketed. Porn searches are up 83%. For heroin, it's 32%. Wait,
2: wait. People Google for heroin? Like, where can I get heroin?
3: I'm not sure. He's not clear. All right. Maybe he's Googling, does God abhor heroin? (laughs) (laughs) Um, How are the Ten Commandments doing? Not well. Love thy neighbor is the most common search with the word neighbor in it. But right behind at number two is neighbor porn. The top Google search, including the word God, is God of War, a video game, with more than 700,000 searches per year. So the most common Google search using the word God is a video game. Yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> the- well, Christians would have you believe that the Bible, and it very well may be true, but the Bible is the best-selling book of all time, and they hold that up as proof of God's existence. Yeah.
3: The number one search that includes how to and Walmart is how to steal from Walmart, (laughs) beating all questions related to coupons, price matching, and applying for a job.
2: Wow. That is awesome.
3: So in the article, he says, Sometimes Google search data, because of Google's status as a kind of universal question service, is perfectly suited to give us fresh insights into our offline lives. Consider this one. What questions do people have when they are questioning God? People may not share their doubts with friends, relatives, rabbis, pastors, or imams. They inevitably share them with Google. Every year in the United States, there are hundreds of thousands of pointed questions, most of them coming from the Bible Belt. The number one question in the country is, who created God? Second is, why does God allow suffering? This is the famous problem of evil. If God is all-powerful and all-good, how could he allow suffering? The third most asked question is, why does God hate me? The fourth is why God needs so much praise.
2: Wow. That's a good one. I like that one. Why does God need so much praise, prayer and worship?
3: So he also wrote, oh, it's interesting that it um, those questions are pr- most prominently coming from the Bible Belt.
2: Yeah, no kidding.
3: So he also writes, we can correlate religious doubts to the geography of suffering. Where there is more pain and unhappiness, are people more likely to ask why God allows suffering? The answer is no. Places with lower life expectancies and more poverty are more religious and thus have more questions about religion in general. But the questions in hard luck places are not tilted toward the problem of evil. Relative to other concerns searchers have about religion. The proportions are the same. Not only is who created God the top question nationally, it is also the top question in every state. Oh, wow. Some religious people, most famously Job, have asked why God has made their lives so difficult. Now we have evidence on what challenges elicit such questions. What is the most common word to complete the following question? Why did God make me? Number one is by far ugly. Oh, the other sad answers, not good. he says in the article, the other sad answers in the top three are gay and black
2: Huh. Wow.
3: and then short, stupid and fat. <laughs> so people so are typing these things into that's Google. That's coming
2: out of Alabama or Mississippi. I, I don't
3: guess. know where it's coming from, <laughs> but people are typing in. Why did God make me stupid?
2: Fat, short and short. And ugly.
3: And gay and black. That's really sad. <laughs> it is
2: sad. It's very funny in some ways, but it's it's it is a bummer that people they need to understand rather than it's just, you know, a happenstance of genetics, they believe that there is some supernatural, mystical, mythological creature or being that actually had a hand in making them this with the specific with the specific genetic predispositions that they have mm-hmm. it's that, that's a bummer
3: well so this article's fascinating i'll be putting it on the facebook page and the twitter page like with we do with all the links that we discuss on the show and there's plenty more to learn about what people google where it relates to god
2: yeah that's real good all right let's wrap it up with a little bit of this It's the Asshole of Today. Asshole of Today is brought to you by Costco, purveyor of delicious samples.
3: <laughs> so in Burbank, California.
2: Yeah, almost home.
3: There was a bit of a shake up a in kerf- the Costco. A
2: kerfuffle, if mm-hmm. you will.
3: A 70-year-old grandfather <laughs> said he bled for several minutes and became dizzy after being punched in the face at Costco, for confronting a man about taking too many Nutella samples.
2: <laughs> We've talked about the melees and the chaos inside of the mega store, mega discount uh, store, Costco. And how people just park their how it's it's just shit show. It is maddening for sure. But yes. what happened specifically in this case?
3: Well, I don't know how to pronounce any of the names that were involved, so I'll just call one of the people SS. He's the 78-year-old grandfather. SS was shopping at the warehouse store in Burbank on Sunday when he approached the Nutella sample cart and reached for one. As he tried to get one, DG24 snatched all of the samples. Quote, he takes two, three of them, left one. I want to take one, and he catch my hand. I say, what are you doing? Let me eat this one. That's a direct quote.
2: From the old man.
3: From SS, yes. From It's
2: just old man, young man. How about that? Okay.
3: That's when the young man reportedly punched the old man in the face. Quote, he hit me and the blood started. The old man was hospitalized... <laughs> With a one-inch cut and swelling above his left eye. In the interview with CBS, his eye was bruised and swollen, and he wore a large bandage on his face.
2: Punched him real good.
3: The young guy was arrested and is being held in lieu of a $50,000 bail. So,
2: 24 years old, punches in the face a 70-year-old man over Costco samples.
3: Yes, God
2: damn. Isn't
3: that amazing?
2: This guy needs to be put in jail. He needs to be... I'm glad he wasn't able to make bond.
3: Oh, he's been charged with one count of elder abuse, as well as a special allegation that he inflicted great bodily harm on the elderly man. If convicted, he faces up to 11 years in state prison. What about
2: great bodily harm? He punched him and cut his eye you can kill
3: someone from punching them in the face Uh,
2: i guess and this is a 78
3: year old man first of all why was he he 70
2: or 78
3: 78 oh he's
2: 78 yes oh wow i I thought you you kept saying 70
3: no i said 78 i'm a very accurate person that does everything right
2: i guess the audience will have to (laughs) okay i
3: probably said it wrong so um (laughs) But here's here's the interesting thing. This happened yesterday. And I went on Facebook, you know, that little on this day thing where it shows you everything that you posted. And I had a post from three years ago. I had checked in at Costco. And I said something about, you know, I know you've had green beans before. Now move out of the way. Because,
2: <laughs> at Costco. Yes, this is what
3: happens with these sample carts. Like, I know this guy has tried Nutella before. Yeah. And also, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. That's no, how I say it. It's Nutella. Um. All right, I'm not saying it like that. (laughs) I'm saying Nutella. Um, But, you know, they always have these Uncrustables. You've had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich before. You don't need to take a sample of the Uncrustable.
2: Like I said, it's a shit show. Nobody needs a part of that. And also, there's poop articles and people breathing all over all that stuff. That's gross.
3: If you're blocking the aisles and people cannot move around you because you're waiting in line to get a slice of a hot dog, please stop
2: Proceed, as Brittany would say. (laughs)
3: Proceed. Realize that your behavior (laughs) is very disturbing to other people and move along.
2: All right. This lecture has been brought to you by Brittany Page (laughs) of the I Doubt It with Dollamore podcast. For more just like this, tune in next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore and this has been
0: I Doubt It. Rubio, I've never seen a young guy sweat that much. No, I've never seen... He's drinking water, water, water. I never saw anything like this with him with the water. But, and everybody, Huckabee, nice guy, he was seriously hot. He was soaking wet. I grabbed him around his back. I said, good job, and it was soaking wet. I immediately, he was drenched.